Money 105.5. Views expressed on the following program are not necessarily those of this station, its owner, staff, or management. The following program is sponsored by Simply Great Lives. Welcome to the Impact Hour on Money 105.5, where you live with passion, make a difference, and come alive. This show is about you, your life, your impact, and your legacy. Now your hosts, John and Rena. Welcome to the Impact Hour with John and Rena. I am John. Hi, and I'm Rena. Awesome. So today, we are glad that you're here. Today's show is about... And then in general, it's always about discovering your calling and making a giant splash in the world. And today we're talking about how to be a hero, fixing the real problem. How to be a hero. That sounds pretty cool. Yes. So when I had my heart attack in 2005, I shared about this earlier. When I was sitting there in the bathroom, curled up on the floor, wondering if that might be the end of my life and wondering if I had lived life the way I'd wanted it to. In that moment, I didn't want a theory that if I had done certain things, I might have made a difference in the world. The theory wasn't going to cut it for me. What I wanted to know is what were the actual real results I had created with my life, who were the people I had affected, and what was really the change that I had created in those people. So you were actually seeking to picture their faces in your mind, if I remember right. You wanted to know who you really impacted. Yes. What Mm -hmm. were the names of those people? Right. And in that moment, um, it was interesting. You know, in my life, I had done a lot of volunteer work. We had volunteered, you know, doing service projects. Uh, We had spent, you know, several days at like a group home with the, the residents there and just supporting and helping them. And in that moment, that stuff didn't even come up. That stuff was, uh, I didn't feel like that when I'd done those things, that that had really made a real life impact on those people. It was some cool stuff, but that kind of thing wasn't the, wasn't going to answer my question that I love people well and my life matter. And so today we're going to talk about how to address the real problem, what we call the root cause of problems because that we believe that when you address the root cause, when you make really deep change in the lives of other people, that that's going to be something that you will call up in your mind when you're at the end of your life and evaluating whether you had lived life well or not. I really appreciate that end-of-life perspective, John. It's uh, not something that I've personally experienced, but... I remember uh, we were, had an interview at Good Day Sacramento, and the anchor, as we were leaving this studio, said, hey, thanks for having a heart attack so I don't have to. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, I mean, we're all going to reach the end of our life someday, and you got that second chance, the, the do-over. Yeah. And so you got to um, know what you're going to be evaluating your life by. And so I think that's awesome that you share that so we can have that end-of-life perspective, the bigger picture. Right. Yeah. So we're going to be talking, like John said, about root causes, being a hero, fixing the real problem. And what we have in our society is we have a lot of people fixing symptoms, not real problems. So to give some context as to what we're talking about here, I'm going to talk a little bit about something we call the impact ruler. We created this in an, uh, in an effort to help people understand more of what kind of change we're talking about. We want you to have a positive impact to really make a difference in people's lives. What does that look like? And so if you can imagine a ruler and it's got a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And at the level one, you've got, you're changing a person's mood, okay? Changing a person's mood is by its nature temporary and fleeting. That's how moods are. Level yeah. two, go ahead. Yeah, uh, level one is the lowest level, by the way. Yeah. It's a scale one being low and seven being high. Thank you for that. <laughs> Good distinction. Yeah, so we're starting off with the smallest type of positive impact. Now, it is still a positive impact. At least it's on the board, right? Right. But it can get so much better than that. So level two impact is we're changing a person's circumstances temporarily. Uh, that may be giving money or clothing or food or something that's very temporary by its nature. Level three is changing a person's circumstances long term. 
So it's not just a, a short-term fix, it's a long-term fix, but it's changing their circumstances. See, it goes even deeper than that. You get to a level four and you're helping a person to change their behaviors. Level four is a temporary change in behaviors, which is great because they're learning skills that they can apply later. So there's, there's good value in that. Level five is you're helping that person to change their behaviors long term. So they're experiencing more change in their life. Level six is where we, we really put our focus uh, in Simply Great Lives and the work that we do and here on the impact hour. Level six is changing the person. So that's helping them to change their mindsets, their worldviews, their values, their character qualities. The, the choices that they make are based on those things. So we help people to, and we encourage you, to help people to change their, their where they're thinking and their character qualities. So we call that changing the person. Level seven is changing a person for eternity. And that'll depend on your spiritual and religious beliefs. We believe it's possible to influence a person for eternity. So we certainly wanna keep that in mind. Now, the reason we focus on having more of a deeper level impact, like at least, you know, preferably a level six, is that the way a person is thinking and how they're understanding the world and how they're showing up will influence their behaviors, right? So the things that we do are based on how we think and how we believe, and the things that we do determine our circumstances. So by being a certain way, we do certain things, and then we have certain things. That's the be, do, have model. So changing a person's circumstances won't be nearly as beneficial as actually changing the person so that they can change their own circumstances. It's a very powerful distinction. Yeah, we, we in our society tend to want to run that backwards, don't we? Mm -hmm. We want to have first, and then based on what we have, then we'll do something, and then after that, then we'll be, be a better person, or then we'll we'll be happy or something like that. Yeah, when we have money, we'll do some fun stuff and then we'll be happy. Right. Yeah, yeah, we we'll run it backward. Yeah, it's not how it works, so. No, so we're encouraging you to get really clear on what you want to do to change people's lives. And we acknowledge that we don't actually change people, we help people change themselves. And that's what you'll be doing. You'll be, when you're living your calling and your purpose you'll be changing people helping people to change themselves and that comes with having a certain mindset for yourself there's a couple different options here you can have a fixed mindset which is that people don't change and there's a growth mindset which is that people are capable of changing and do want to change and improve themselves so we're big fans of the growth mindset, both for ourselves. I mean, we've changed so much over the last few years. Oh, yeah. So we know that it's possible. We help other people to change themselves, and it makes life so much better for everybody. Yep, that's one of those mindsets. You know, when you talk about change the person, you know, it's that's one of those mindsets that would make such a big difference. If a person believes that people are fixed, that they don't change, then you know, what are you going to do to help people change? Probably nothing. You'll give up and go, well, it's not possible. Right. And so having a different mindset about people and how they can grow and to change as a person is a key mindset uh, for that. And, and a key mindset is an example of change the person. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. So you wanted to talk just briefly about technology? Yeah. So my background is, is in technology. You know, I've spent over 20 years doing software development, making gadgets and devices and cool software on computers. And when I had my heart attack, that stuff didn't come up for me either. And that's because oftentimes, you know, you create a device or a computer, it's not inherently good or bad. It's, uh, it can be helpful, it's like a tool, you know. It doesn't make an impact for people to have hammers to build houses, well, sort of. But you need not, those people to hammer them nails. You right? need the people yeah. Yeah, to, to hammer in the nails and houses are built by people, not by hammers. And so we treat things, you know, creating things, creating widgets is kind of a neutral type of activity in the world and doesn't really make that that big of an impact. It's the people that matter the, who use the tools that make such the big impact. 
That's awesome. I know you made some good stuff as a software engineer, so it's a very good distinction for that. You're listening to the Impact Hour. Stay tuned for some more awesome stuff on being a hero and fixing the real problem. Mark your calendars to change your life November 19th and 20th. Join John and Rena, hosts of the Impact Hour, for a powerful weekend. Register today for Life Impact Academy 201 in Roseville. Reserve your space today on theimpacthour.com. Enter coupon code IMPACT and get a listener discount. Life as usual isn't good enough. Live with significance. Come alive. Live a legacy. If you don't have a purpose for your life, someone else will. Space is limited, so register today at theimpacthour.com for Life Academy 201, November 19th and 20th in Roseville. Welcome back to the Impact Hour. We're so glad to have you with us because today we're talking about being a hero and fixing the real problem. We have a society that focuses on fixing symptoms rather than actual problems. And once you're kind of tuned into it, you're gonna notice it a lot more. That's the primary work of charities and volunteer efforts. They're fixing symptoms rather than problems. So we're going to be diving pretty deep in this today to give you a context and I hope a real shift in how you think about what it means to help people. When we're fixing a symptom of a problem and not the actual problem, there is often going to be an unintended negative consequence. It's like a side effect. We meant to really help out and what it does is it creates another problem over there. It's kind of like the whack-a-mole game. You know, you got your bopper and you hit a mole and it goes down and then another one pops up. You hit that, goes down, another one pops up. Or like having a carpet with a lump in it. <laughs> and you shove the lump down and it pops up somewhere else. The problem with fixing a symptom is that it never really fixes the problem and it actually oftentimes creates other problems uh, that were completely unintended, like I said. And one of those is that a lot of times it makes it harder to apply the root cause solution. It gets in the way of it. Yeah, there's a book that we read called The Fifth Discipline that dives really deep into this. So if you want to understand about systems and how you are intervening to create change and understanding how other things are going to be coming into play and affecting the solution and fixing the problem, um, it's called the fifth discipline and it it's really thorough a good way to understand that might be like for alcoholics so you know reason for most alcoholics is they have a wound they have something that's gone in their life and in order to numb the feelings they drink so the drinking numbs the feelings that's the symptom the root cause is the wound and now that they are drinking heavily now they can't address the root cause because they aren't feeling and they're disconnected from themselves and their emotions and so it's getting in the way of them from actually addressing the wound. Yeah that's fascinating and we're going to mention a little later about being an expert in your subject area in particular and so you'll want to understand these different interactions and that's often something people wouldn't have thought of John before you know is that the drinking is disconnecting them from the emotions and now it's harder to um, connect and heal those wounds so there's a lot of interconnections there but when we're really loving the person that we're seeking to help we'll want to fix the real problem so just a really simple example I come up with is um, a little boy Johnny needs a coat because it's getting about that time of year for coat drives right and um, out of love and compassion and kindness somebody will donate a coat and that's cool and what concerns me is there's a problem underneath that as to why that child is needing a coat right now. And to me, having a stronger sense of love for that child will want to find out what's the problem. Is dad unemployed? Did he lose his job? Is he having a hard time getting another job? Could they use some real resources and connections to fix that problem so that he can provide a coat for his child? Just a kind of a simple example to help you understand the difference between the symptom of a problem, fixing the symptom, 
and fixing the real problem. So we're going to look at a bunch of examples of fixing this symptom instead of the real problem to help you get an understanding of this. And it's really pervasive, so I think you're going to start to see it around you a lot more. I read an article a little while ago that minimum wages went up in a certain area, and you know that behind the desire for minimum wage increases is for people who have less income to have more income, right? That's the problem they're trying to fix. People need more money. And at least that's the assumption. So once the minimum wage was increased, what they found is people were going to their employers to ask for reduced hours because they were on public housing, low-income housing, and they would lose their housing if they got paid too much. So now they had to work less hours. And I think that was an unintended <laughs> negative consequence. The people are, are now working less so they don't get paid too much and lose their public housing allowance. What do you think of that one, John? Yeah, it's a great example of uh, the root cause of that isn't that they're not making enough money. Right. It has to do with what's going on in the person and their way they're thinking about their life and their lifestyle. And, and what's possible and, and what's what they're possible. capable of. Right. right, and what they're capable of because they're capable of so much more, but they're settling for such a small life. That's the real problem. Right. Right, man, you get someone in there with an entrepreneurial mindset and help them bust through some limiting beliefs on what's possible, and they could actually become quite wealthy. Those exact same individuals who were on public housing and, you know, having their minimum wage increased and decreasing their hours, they could have so much more if they fix a real problem. And uh, it'll depend on your beliefs about that system that you're working with. We think it has a lot to do with mindsets. So this one's related. Any, any type of welfare is intended to help a basic human need, right? Whether it's for housing or food, having their basic needs cared for. An unintended negative consequence, though, is that people tend to feel disempowered, that they're now unable to take care of themselves and need to rely on um, the help of another entity, whether it's the government or a church or a community or whatever. So that's not an intended consequence, but that's, that's what happens because it's not fixing the root problem of the poverty. We had some friends, some dear friends of ours, and this was quite a few years ago, they were struggling financially. And so we wanted to help them out and we gave them $1,000. And it was interesting because that did help them temporarily. And then like three months later, they were in that exact same situation. And we found that they continually ended up in that situation. So um, we found that that was clearly helping to fix a symptom rather than the actual problem. Again, food and clothing, why are people in need of that? What's the root cause of that problem? And what can you do to actually fix that problem? This is an interesting one. This next one I have here is on sex trafficking. And it, it's, it's interesting because there's a definite need for girls to be rescued from that situation, helped out of that situation, supported um, so that they can basically, you know, be free. At the same time, I don't know if it's just the way that I'm wired, but I have to look at the reasons why that problem exists in the first place. Uh, why is there sex trafficking? And I, I can't help but think that it would be necessary to eliminate the demand for prostitutes in order to um, make it so that people aren't enslaving girls anymore. See if I'm making myself clear on that. Yeah. But if you don't, if you don't get rid of the demand, there's gonna, there's gonna always be a need, and you can rescue girls all day long, and you will need to, because there will always be somebody forcing them into that over and over again. So, gotta look at the root problem, what's causing that, and deal with it on that level. Another interesting example is that of diabetes, which is really skyrocketing. Uh, these days, lots and lots of people, you probably know people who have diabetes. I know quite a few. And our medical system is really set up to, see, to treat symptoms. And they're really good at that. They got all kinds of medicines and tests and, and insulin and, and different things to treat the symptoms. But it's actually possible for most people, the majority of people, to reverse 
type 2 diabetes with diet and lifestyle changes. And I think it's fascinating that our medical system is really set up to treat the symptoms instead of the root cause. And that really is making medical costs skyrocket, another problem that we're having these days. And so what we need, if we want to really help bring back down the cost of healthcare, we're gonna need to look at root causes. And there's gonna be a lot of different opinions on that, some factors, and there may be multiple factors, which may be very possible. Uh, one factor may be lawsuits, increasing the costs for doctors, and also people's lifestyle, it, bringing on ourselves preventable medical conditions like heart disease and diabetes. And the fact is that since those types of conditions are skyrocketing out of control, we have insurance that's supposed to help make it more affordable. So the government's been kind of poking at this very complex system. And it's like, well, we want to make health care affordable. So they have the Affordable Care Act, which is actually insurance, which is not the same as making care itself affordable. <laughs> and by poking at that system, they've had some unintended negative consequences. For example, our family of four, our health insurance went from, it was between eight and $900. Yes, when it started. Just before the Obama started talking about that. It's now over $1,600 a month to insure our family of four. And I have to believe that that was an unintended negative consequence that it would become so expensive to make care affordable for other folks. Did you hear what you just said? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds crazy. I know. I know. I try not to go too far down that. That could be like a real rabbit hole for yes, me. Yes, it could. Yes. <laughs> At this point, we probably should mention that we're not saying to stop fixing symptoms altogether. Right. You know, if, if you have a a heart blockage, you definitely want a doctor <laughs> fix to fix it, right? <laughs> yes. So, and then, you know, if a kid needs a coat, by all give means, them give them a coat. The, the big thing is the and. Yes. I love to plug a big and in there. And what else can you do to make sure that that stops? It doesn't happen again in the future. Right. And yep. I think when we really love people, we're going to go uh, to that level. There's a, a deep topic, and I could, I've got like a bunch of examples. We won't get through all of them. But uh, one I want you to consider in this day and age, and what we've got going on is that of racism. So the civil rights movement was fantastic for what it accomplished in the 60s. It brought us so much further than where we were at at the time. In retrospect, it looks to me like that was a symptomatic solution. As much as it did accomplish because it legislated anti-discrimination. You know, it, it made it illegal to discriminate in certain ways, which is great, except that it didn't deal with the root cause as to what's underneath the racism. And all the talk that's going on today and all the fear, I think is a perfect opportunity to really evaluate why do we still have racism? What is the root cause? What can we do about to to bring about real change. I think this is the perfect opportunity to go to that level. In my opinion, I think that there's a lot of fear that needs to be addressed and a lot of bias. And looking at that kind of level will help to bring about the real change for equality that I think we really desire in this country and is really befitting yeah, of us. Yeah, that we value. Yeah, we really do totally in our constitution, right? Yes. Yeah. So if you're interested in seeing more about dealing with symptoms rather than root causes, there's a documentary I recommend called Poverty Inc. And it's got some many phenomenal examples of charities intending to help out and accidentally causing negative consequences. So we're going to be talking about some great examples when we come back from our break of making a difference, dealing with the root cause of the problem, and really being a hero. So stay tuned. You're listening to the Impact Hour. States product availability varies. Agents may be compensated on enrollment. This is Michael Medved. I'm here with Mike Stahl from Health Markets, helping folks find the right Medicare coverage. The news reports say that the rates might be going down. 
The government projects the cost of Medicare plans will decrease this year. So you have to ask, are you getting the best rate? Health Markets offers a free service to help folks maximize their Medicare benefits and save money. The enrollment period for Medicare has already started. What is it people need to keep in mind? Enrollment in the right plan is not automatic. With so many Medicare options, it can be confusing. My advice, don't go it alone. Get unbiased help to find a plan that may cost less and cover more with lower co-payments, more choices like dental and vision, and the freedom to choose your doctor. With the enrollment deadline only weeks away, it's important to act now. Our Health Markets Medicare service is free. Thanks, Mike. This is Michael Medved for Health Markets. For your free Medicare assistance, call 800-351-2054. That's 800-351-2054. 800-351-2054. Unapproved credit for well-qualified buyers. Dealer does not charge dealer fees. Sale ends 12 See dealer for details. It's the Can't Get Enough Black Friday sales event on now at Roseville Toyota with Black Friday savings all month long. Right now, choose from 14 select new 2015-2016 models with 0% long-term financing, plus Toyota customer cash and down payment assistance. Roseville Toyota and the Roseville Auto Mall with over 2,000 vehicles to choose from. If you want to pay more, well, that's your business. But if you want to pay less at Roseville Toyota, that's our business. Terry Knight here. Please join me from 11 to noon on Saturdays. It's the home show with news, tips, and commentary focused on home improvement, real estate, and lifestyle. After 30 years of radio and TV in the Capital Region, I found a home. Join me. On The Home Show, Saturdays, 11 to noon, on your radio home. Money, 105.5. This is Roger Michalski from Eagle Financial Publications. Here at Eagle, we are always looking for opportunities for the dividend investor. Recently, I was blown away when I discovered a website that had every resource that a successful dividend investor could ask for, all in one place. We were so blown away that we bought the website and made it part of our Eagle family. It's called DividendInvestor.com, and there's really nothing else like it. When you log on to DividendInvestor.com, you'll find screening tools plus an all-star ranking system to help you find the best dividend opportunities. There's a scorecard to track the dividends in your very own portfolio, plus time-sensitive updates so you'll be the first to know when dividends go up or go down. Be my guest. Log on free today at DividendInvestor.com. Set up a portfolio and see how easy it is to work the dividend calculator. I'm convinced DividendInvestor.com will pay dividends to your portfolio. Go to DividendInvestor.com now. Mark your calendars to change your life November 19th and 20th. Join John and Rena, hosts of the Impact Hour, for a powerful weekend. Register today for Life Impact Academy 201 in Roseville. Reserve your space today on theimpacthour.com. Enter coupon code IMPACT and get a listener discount. Life as usual isn't good enough. Live with significance. Come alive. Live a legacy. If you don't have a purpose for your life, someone else will. Space is limited, so register today at theimpacthour.com for Life Academy 201, November 19th and 20th in Roseville. You are listening to the Impact Hour on Money 105.5, where you live a life rich in meaning and significance. Welcome back to the Impact Hour. We've been talking about addressing root causes rather than just addressing the symptom. If you've been listening and you'd like to join the conversation, sharing some of your experiences uh, with addressing symptoms and root causes, or if you have questions, you can call the station here at 866-576-1055. Again, that is 866-576-1055. I'm going to talk more about addressing root causes, but before that, I wanted to share a special invitation for you guys. So when I grew up, when I was six, I had a sister who died, an infant sister who died on Christmas Day. And when I was growing up, my dad, when I was younger, would get into these uncontrollable rages. And I'm really glad he doesn't do that anymore. It's been a lot, a lot of years since he's done that. Um, so that's awesome that he's made some changes. But I grew up with that. And then growing up, my mom sometimes would say things like, it's really good that you're smart because that means you belong to the family. And I know she meant really well and is really trying to encourage and give me a sense of belonging. But I think at a subconscious level, at a deep level, I took that to mean that I had to be smart or I wouldn't be a part of the family. I wouldn't be loved and accepted. So I grew up believing and learning that life wasn't safe. And I learned that if I was visible and seen, I might become a target and I wasn't safe. And if I was seen, I had better appear smart so that I could be loved and accepted. And that was kind of how I went through life. 
And I navigated through life, you know, with those beliefs in mind. These were deep-seated beliefs. If you asked me that's what I believed, I probably wouldn't even tell you that that's what I believed. It was just an integral part of the way I went through life. And so I went through life protecting myself. Um, I went through life making sure I wasn't too visible, but visible enough to be successful. Um, and I made, you know, had all kinds of behaviors to, to appear certain ways. You know, I had a mask on often and uh, was trying to win people's approval and love and acceptance. And so I went through life pretty cautious, pretty risk-free. So then in 2005, when I had my heart attack, you know, I had symptoms leading up to it, like I'd shared before. I had pain in my shoulders radiating down into my elbows. It wasn't in a specific place. I couldn't point to it. And I remember the night of the heart attack, my heart beat really hard in my chest a couple of times, and I felt instantly sick to my stomach. And I remember being curled up on the bathroom floor, being really scared, pretty terrified. I've never really been terrified like that before. And I had the thought that those might be the last moments of my life. And I asked myself and evaluated my life, and I asked if I had loved people well and if my life mattered. And I didn't like my answers. The truth, though, was that all the hard work I'd spent throughout my whole life to make sure that I was safe and not taking any risks in life, not putting myself out there, really was, was uh, producing the results I was having in that moment. I had created that experience for me by living life small and safe and so I was there in that experience kind of lamenting my life that I hadn't poured my life into the right things and mentally I was thinking about it but in my spirit it was shouting out and screaming that's not good enough and that's when I decided that I had to live life differently from then on and that's a big part of why we do what we do here today we hope that you can learn from my experience, from our experience together, to make different choices about your life so that you don't end up in the same or similar place in your life at the end, wondering why hadn't you taken bigger risks, why hadn't you really gone for it, and why hadn't you done the work to make a really big difference in the world. So if you wonder what your life is about, if you feel scattered and unfocused, if you feel like you're meant for something more, if you want to have a clear sense of direction and purpose for your life, then we want to invite you to our weekend event. It's this weekend. We've been hearing ads about this. It's Life Impact Academy 201 Connection and Purpose. It's, it's the 19th and 20th. In that weekend, it'll be a chance for you to grow yourself, to step into a bigger version of you, and to really gain a lot of clarity in your life about where you'd like your life to go and what you want it to be all about so that you don't end up down the same path I was on and have an oh-no experience at the end of your life. You can go to theimpacthour.com. If you're using your computer, the events is listed on the right-hand side. You can go there and select Life Impact Academy 201, and then you can use the code, the keyword is IMPACT, to get $100 off of the weekend event. If you know you can't continue on your current path, you really can't go back to your old life, you need to come to this weekend. For me, this journey for my life has been really about rescuing and awakening my spirit, and it can be for you too. That's powerful, thank you. It's a great opportunity. We just love, love, love to support people in growing into who they were meant to be from making the difference they were meant to make and finding that level of satisfaction and meaning and purpose. It's a wonderful event. Yeah, thank you. So we've been talking about making transformational change in the lives of other people that involves getting to root causes. And so we spent some time thinking about this. You know, how could we possibly give some good examples when we spend most of our time looking at bad examples? <laughs> I have to <laughs> laugh because we were talking about this the other day, and I'm like, oh, no, we need to have some good examples. What are some really good examples <laughs> of really 
changing the root problem. Yes. <laughs> and, and there are good examples. Yes. And, and we came up with several here. And there probably are, are far more than we've come up with. Yeah, yeah. But we wanted to give you some good examples of really not just dealing with a symptom, but be dealing with the problem. And in fact, John, you'd mentioned earlier alcoholism. And I think Alcoholics Anonymous actually does a great job at dealing with some of the root causes of the alcoholism, of the drinking. So um, an opposite example would be like prohibition, which wasn't dealing with the root cause at all. It was an absolute failure uh, in our country. And because the, the alcohol itself wasn't the problem. So Alcoholics Anonymous, they have their 12 steps. They're helping people work through resentments and forgiveness and heal relationships. And those would be the things that would cause them to go back and drink if they didn't deal with them. So I commend Alcoholics Anonymous for the fantastic work they're doing in dealing with the root cause. Yes. Another example we thought of is the school system. Now, some of you might be thinking, what? You hear all these bad things about our school system. And admittedly, it's not working everywhere. It's not perfect. It's not perfect. And there's per certainly lots of ways to improve. But when it is working, our school systems are addressing root causes. You know, the, the, the idea of raising up, you know, children to become productive adults in society, schooling is a great way to do that. It builds in a good work ethic in kids, and it helps them to learn useful skills that they might need in the workplace. You know, if, if people don't learn how to read and write and to do math, you know, where are they going to be at? What kind of work can they really get? Would well, we ever have gotten a man to the moon without some people going through school? Yeah, uh, right. definitely not. <laughs> yes. So school is working. Another example we love to share with folks, uh, there's a fellow named Eugene Lang, and he started a foundation quite a few years ago called the I Have a Dream Foundation. And they share this story on their website. And basically, this is how it got started, is he was asked to give a speech to some sixth graders in an elementary school in East Harlem in a pretty rough part of town. And he was a businessman at the time, and he was all ready to give his talk to these kids. And before he went up, the principal was mentioning that 75% of those kids probably wouldn't even graduate high school. And that just touched him. And on his way up to talk to the kids, he just tore up his speech in front of them. And he said, I was going to give you this talk about if you work hard, you'll succeed, but I don't think that's going to work. Instead, if you graduate high school, I'll pay for your college. That's pretty powerful. That gives hope to a bunch of kids who probably at that point in their life didn't believe it was even possible. Wow. So like root cause is root cause is like what's possible. Yes. And he made it possible for them in that moment. Yeah. And he didn't stop there. Like he mentored the kids. So he didn't just say, here's your money. Here you go. Go to college. He mentored them along the way and he prepared them to be able to go to college so that they would have the right work ethic and they would be up to a level where when they entered college, they'd have the skills and the ability to do the work. And as a consequence, 90% of them graduated high school Whoa. and 86% of them went on to secondary school or college. That's huge. That is huge. That's a really huge difference that he made. Yes. Awesome. So another example we have, uh, there's a person locally here, some of you may know, Jenny Williamson uh, has this organization called Courage Worldwide, and she is helping girls to be rescued from sex trafficking. Now we mentioned about kind of the bigger picture about the demand and perhaps it's not addressing that. And there's a lot of complexity in that system. You know, there's the pimps, there's the girls, and then there's the guys. And there's lots of places where you can intervene uh, in that system. But from the girls' perspective, there's a reason why they get involved in that and getting caught up in it generally. And usually it's a place where they grew up where they were not given, you know, a lot of a sense of self-worth and they're looking for love from people and they're just have these extreme deep needs and it's easy for them to get trapped in this system. And so she helps rescue them out of that and helps build in a new sense of identity and a sense of self-worth. And from inside the girl's perspective, at least that part of it, it's really working. That's, that's a, a root cause solution there, helping yes. them to feel, you know, self-worth and value. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. So good solutions 
are driven by the people in need themselves. And so the people who are closer to the problem know more about the problem and their solution. And a part of it has to do with the mindset. Do we believe that the person has the strength and the capability and the power to get out of their own predicament? And we believe they do with proper support and help. We don't believe they're poor and destitute. Gotta believe it's possible to take action on it. Absolutely. Yeah, we need to go to a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Impact Hour. Mark your calendars to change your life November 19th and 20th. Join John and Rena, hosts of the Impact Hour, for a powerful weekend. Register today for Life Impact Academy 201 in Roseville. Reserve your space today on theimpacthour.com. Enter coupon code IMPACT and get a listener discount. Life as usual isn't good enough. Live with significance. Come alive. Live a legacy. If you don't have a purpose for your life, someone else will. Space is limited, so register today at theimpacthour.com for Life Academy 201, November 19th and 20th in Roseville. Interrupting life as usual. This is the Impact Hour with John and Rena on Money 105.5. Welcome back to the Impact Hour. We are looking at how you can truly be a hero, creating big level change in people's lives. And want you to know that there are a lot of options for creating real change. And I just wanted to address briefly the idea of creating change on a larger scale through things like public policy and laws. That is a valid way for creating change, and sometimes we need that kind of level of change. So it can be powerful. And I wanted to mention that if you're wanting to be involved in change level at that in a change effort at that kind of level, whether it's through lobbying or being an elected official or creating policies, it's very, very important for you to stay connected to the people whose lives you're seeking to impact, whose lives you're seeking to change, because it's so easy to have the unintended negative consequence. And if you're not connected with those people to see what's going on and how they're being changed, you might kind of make some mistakes and not not truly understand the change that you're bringing about because we know that oftentimes there are those unintended negative consequences. So you'll find here at the Impact Hour, we're always encouraging you to make a change in people that you're truly passionate about and to be connected to those people to see what that impact actually is. That'll help you to be effective and it'll also be much more satisfying. So we love encouraging people to both be passionate about the change you're creating and to be connected to the results. Yeah, when you get to the end of your life, you won't be glad that you engaged in a lot of, lot of activity. You'll want to know what was the actual changes that you really created. What are the benefits? What are the results of your life? We talk about addressing the root causes, and uh, we certainly want to address those uh, if we live our calling and want to make an impact that lives a legacy that lasts beyond our life for generations. But getting to root causes sometimes can be very complicated. There's a lot of interconnections. There's complex systems and things can be connected in ways that are not easily obvious on the surface. And so a lot of times um, it's easier to just address the symptom. You look at that root cause and you go, ooh, boy, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. Or I don't even know what it is. Or, you know, what can we possibly do about that? Right. And so we recommend you treat it as a challenge. Pretend you're a detective. And your job is to do all of the sleuth work <laughs> to figure out what is going on, what are those interconnections, and what are the deeper root causes of the problems that you're trying to solve and to change in the world. We did a show previously on becoming an expert in the area where you want to create change, and that's really it. I love the being curious and being a detective and, and, and really figuring it out because oftentimes there really is a layer of complexity, and that's okay. Don't get overwhelmed by it. Just start understanding it. And, you know, handling a symptom is just a part of it, and maybe you need to meet a basic human need and dive deeper and find out what's really going on there. Yeah. Sometimes the complexities is not just out there. Sometimes they're inside of us, inside of the people we're working in. 
So especially as coaches and we work with people, a lot of times, you know, the root causes are inside the person. It's in their in their mindsets and their beliefs in themselves, in their their value and their self worth. Sometimes it's in those things that really is, is where the problem lies. And we can have interconnections inside people that interact with what's going on out there. And so it definitely can be a challenge. We wanted to kind of offer some, some hope, though, that if the root cause is complicated, it's elusive, uh, there are some ways of getting past and getting past being stuck, just kind of not sure what to do about root causes. These are some of the things that we use uh, when we're working with people. And so we wanted to share some of these with you. So the first one is looking for where it actually is working. Rather than looking at all the places where it's broken, the system's broken, this isn't working, this problem exists over here, instead look at where the problem doesn't exist. You know, there's a book called Switch and they call it Find the Bright Spots. Find out where the problem actually isn't showing up and try to replicate that. Sometimes that's a way of getting past all the complexity of the root causes and uh, it's a way of, of seeing what is working rather than looking at what is not working. Yeah, it's always really tempting to look at the problem. Uh, but I love the looking for the bright spots example, you know, idea, because you're finding what actually works. And for example, I, uh, I remember years ago, there was a lady who was helping people to release weight, to lose weight, right? And she wanted to figure it out for herself. And so she said about interviewing skinny people. <laughs> and what a concept. It wasn't asking about, you know, people who were formerly fat, how'd they get skinny? It's like asking people who are skinny, how, how are you doing that? <laughs> and so it's like, and then replicating some of that behavior. So really find what's working well and do more of it. Yes. Love that solution. That book, by the way, is called Switch, How to Change When Change is Hard yes. by Chip and Dan Heath. Yes. Great book. Yes. Love it. One of our favorite books. Yeah. Yes. Another tool that we use is what I call stop focusing on the problem and instead focus on the solution. Finding the bright spots is kind of an example of that, but just in general, we get so focused in on the problem and this is happening here and this happens over there and, and oh, oh, you don't understand. We, this thing is over <laughs> here like this and, and you get so focused on the problem that you really can't see beyond that. Mm -hmm. And I know I've experienced that some. And we get so wrapped around understanding the problem that we can't see beyond to see what a possible solution could be. Yeah. I, I hear a lot of, oh, this was fascinating. We had a family gathering this last weekend, and everybody's talking about the um, election and, and this and that. And your sister came out with the most brilliant question. She says, what do you think is the first thing Donald Trump should do to help unify our people again? and everybody was silent. They were so used to focusing on the problem, they couldn't even shift into thinking of a solution. It was fascinating. Yes, and it could just be they'd never thought about it before. Uh, yeah, 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 took that. And I know, I was, I was sitting there kind of stumped too, like, wow, that's <laughs> a great do? question. I wonder, <laughs> wonder what we could do there. Probably some amazing things could be done. Another thing that can be done is to shrink the change. Sometimes people call this baby steps. So instead of trying to take one giant leap to eradicate a problem, which is overwhelming and daunting, just start with smaller steps. And even if you don't have the full plan or the full understanding, a lot of times you learn about the system and the systematic interactions and the root causes just by getting involved and starting and trying things. So you just want people to get started. Just get started and start with small steps and see where, where that goes and then make adjustments. But make the change smaller to make it more achievable and easier to do. Mm-hmm, good stuff. Definitely want people to get in motion, not get stuck by the overwhelming nature of um, a lot of root causes, but know that it's part of becoming an expert and really good at understanding the system that you're interacting in, that you're intervening in, so you can be mo most effective. Yeah, keep in mind it might be a multi-pronged approach that is necessary. It might not more be a single thing. thing. There might be more than one thing that's needed. Yeah. You know, when people have clinical depression, the mm -hmm. solution, is to have therapy and medication together. 
Right. That's so going to be the most effective treatment. That's be the most as effective. As opposed to just doing one, it'll be far less effective just doing medication or just doing psychotherapy. Yeah. Excellent example. Good one. Yes. <laughs> the other one is to, to really, uh, it's kind of hard to describe, but we all have a human experience. And we all deal with different things. And we all have things that we've dealt with that are relatable to other people because it's part of the human experience. And when you're trying to work with other people, other systems, other cultures, uh, when you connect with that inside of yourself, sometimes your intuition can tell you that possibly that the real problem is inside the person in a certain way. And of course, don't just assume it's true. Test it, you know, find out. But a lot of times it's, uh, it's inside the person but you can discover it by looking inwards. So you can relate to it. Yes. That's awesome. I think you have an awesome story for us to wrap up. I do. I want to wrap up Yay. with this story. The story you wrote uh, maybe about a year or so ago, and I just wanted to share and close with this. Today I fell into a pit. At first, I didn't want to call for help. What would people think if they found me in the pit? So I just waited a while to see if my situation would change. It didn't. I let out a little help. Maybe someone would notice. Eventually someone came by and noticed me in the pit and told me that I shouldn't have fallen into the pit. Someone else also took notice and told me he was glad he hadn't fallen into the pit. Yet another told me he thought he was better off than me because I was in the pit and he wasn't. Another one came by to tell me there is no pit and things would be better if I just changed my attitude. After pondering my situation a bit, someone came by with a ladder. He lowered the ladder but wouldn't let me climb up. Instead, he insisted that he come down and carry me up out of the pit. After carrying me out of the pit, he told me that I was a poor, poor person who couldn't help but fall into pits. He hit me with this ladder as he turned to leave, and it knocked me back into the pit. I think accidentally. I don't know where this man with the ladder went, but I think I overheard him saying something about celebrating another pit rescue with some friends, and I'd like to be out of the pit. Someone came by and threw down some food and blankets into the pit. I was grateful for the food and warmth, but I'm still in the pit. Finally, someone came by and told me I can get myself out of the pit if I was willing. He'd explain how. I said, yes, of course. He explained that if I will push my feet against the opposite sides of the walls, I can inch each foot up after the other until I'm out of the pit. This way, if I'm in a similar pit again, I can get myself out. He waited, watched, and guided me as I got out of the pit. Now I don't have to fear such pits anymore. You've been listening to the Impact Hour. Thank you. Have an awesome week. <laughs>